growing number of physicians and specialists are fed up with the traditional practice model. So how did one specialist reinvent her practice and create raving fans in the process? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change you want to see. This episode is brought to you by Shift Shaper Strategies. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. Clarify your message so you win more clients, crush your sales goals, and build your practice. Learn more at shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now, here's your host, StoryBrand Certified Guide and Chief Transformation Strategist at Shift Shaper Strategies, David Saltzman. There is a growing trend among a number of physicians, and we've talked about it a little bit, folks who have just had it with the quote-unquote traditional medical practice, insurance-driven, et cetera, et cetera. And the folks that we've spoken to so far have been internists, family practice doctors, and so they've gone into a route that we all know is direct primary care, but apparently there are also specialists who are just kind of fed up and who've had it and want to deliver a different level of care in a different kind of a setting. More of the way, I'm guessing, and we can explore this, they thought that they were going to be delivering medical care when they were maybe in med school or what their aspirations were. So we have the privilege today of talking to Dr. Mary Talley Bowden, who is an ENT in Houston, Texas, who has done exactly that. So with that, welcome, Doc. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thanks. So a little bit about your background, because this wasn't an overnight occurrence. Right. I practiced for eight years in a small ENT group, private practice, and I enjoyed it. I was an employee, though. I wasn't in charge of any of the logistics of the operation. I did have frustrations with the insurance companies and how they were interfering in what I ideally wanted to do. There were frustrations that there were some wellness aspects of care that I couldn't provide or I didn't have time to provide, counseling people and taking better care of themselves so they don't end up having sleep apnea, those sorts of things. Then I had four boys and I took a break, but in that break, I became a consumer of healthcare and spent probably five straight years in the OBGYN's office. And that was eye-opening, seeing medicine from the patient's point of view. And as I started to get back into the work mode and thinking about how I was going to re-enter the workforce. I really wanted to re-enter, but I didn't want to re-enter in any shape, way, shape, form of the medicine that I knew. I didn't want to treat patients the way I had been treated during those five years in the OBGYN's office. I loved my physician, but I hated the process. So I decided if I go back, I'm not going to be beholden to insurance companies. I'm going to approach customer uh, patient care with a more customer-friendly approach and not treat them like they're just, it doesn't matter how we treat them because we're just getting paid no matter what. 
or not getting, you know, that's the current system sort of removes the incentive from most physicians to really create high customer satisfaction. So it was the combination of prior experience as a physician and then being a mom of four kids and realizing how broken the system is from the patient's perspective that drove me to create my own practice there. We don't take insurance and our focus is making customers, we're treating patients as a customer, treating patients as we'd want to be treated ourselves and people walking away from their visit feeling good, both psychologically and physically. You know, that's interesting because in some of the interviews that we've done with physicians who have made similar choices, the main driver was dealing with the insurance companies and having to do this bill and chase kind of routine and what that did to their overhead and, and the cost and whatnot. But it sounds like where you came at this was more from a um, user experience standpoint and that not having to deal with the insurance companies is kind of a bonus. Would that be a fair statement? Yes, definitely. I mean, I was at a point in my life where I was not driven by the financials when I started this. I, you know, I'm in my late 40s, I was married and had the financial security that I was not trying to, you know, win the insurance company gain. I was just, my goal was to break even basically and be happy, to have a high job satisfaction. But in doing that, I actually have done very well from a you know, profit standpoint, but that was coincidence, not the initial goal. So what are your key performance indicators? What kind of a metric do you use? How do you measure patient satisfaction? I'm taking a business course while I'm doing this because, you know, I don't have much actual business experience. And I was just talking about that two hours ago about how I really don't measure patient satisfaction. I just measure so far on the volume of patients that we see, and it has just grown exponentially. But yeah, my next step is to actually get concrete feedback and concrete numbers from patients. So has your practice grown largely by word of mouth? Yes. I mean, I do do some marketing on social media, Google ads, but primarily word of mouth. So I'd like to go back to all of that time that you spent in your OBGYN's office. You, you may not want to go back there, but I don't mean physically. But what were the things that you saw that you said, wow, is this what it looks like from this side of the desk? I don't like this at all. What were some of the things that, that discomforted you? Well, it starts with the parking. You weave around an eight-story parking garage trying to find a space. Then you go down one elevator then you go across a building, and then you go up one elevator. So the whole process of actually getting to the doctor's office was like a trek. And when you're pregnant and tired, that's exhausting. Then you walk into the office, and somebody, you know, opens this fuzzy glass mirror door and hands you a clipboard with barely looking at you, has you fill out the same form you have filled out every week for the past five years, you know, just the same thing, like... How many times do I have to do this? And then you go sit, and you don't know how long you're going to sit. And it could be two hours. It could be 30 minutes. You have no idea. And no one updates you if it's taking forever. So that part of it is just, you know, once I'm actually talking to the doctor, I'm very happy. And I think most people feel that way. But the process of getting to talk to the doctor is just, it wrecks your day. I mean, I feel, you know, and then you leave, and you're just like, God, that was just a, that was a experience, a, just takes it out of you. 
Well, and I, you know, I understand that. And it's also, I mean, I wonder if part of it might have been, you know, you, you OBGYN schedule patients a little bit differently, generally speaking, than, than a lot of physicians. But to me, sometimes it seems like, okay, I've spent two hours getting here, parking, doing all that stuff, filling out the same stupid form that even if you wanted me to fill it out repetitively, could it at least be like on a computer or a tablet or something? Because, you know, in my universe, it's 2021. And then I spent 4.3 minutes with the doctor. Right, right. And that, well, my doctor was nice. He spent a little more time with me, but yes, typically it's. So is that something you try to change in your practice now today? Yes. So my office is ground level I'm in a strip mall. So parking is super easy. My waiting room is super small because I don't schedule people so that they have to wait. If they do have to wait, they go into our tranquility room and they get a private uh, relax the back, zero gravity chair, and they chill out with a massage and heat while they're waiting and they get hot tea or water when they are greeted. We give them a peppermint towel to clean their hands and refresh their face when they walk in. I hate paperwork. I don't have them fill out any paperwork. They schedule When they schedule their appointment online, they fill out as minimum information as possible. So I s- try to streamline that. And, you know, I spend as much time with them as I need. I don't overbook. I aim for three to five patients a day. I bring in other services that bring, that generate revenue so that I'm not the one having to, you know, pack patients in all day long. Well, you know, I wonder, since you don't have them do an awful lot of paperwork up front, do you prefer to take a history personally, person to person? And and is that more instructive for you as a physician than scanning a form that somebody filled out? Oh, yes. And I don't have a EMR, an electronic medical records. I hate those things because all it is is people just checking a bunch of boxes so they can get reimbursed by insurance at a higher rate. I take my own history and then I write a little note in the computer afterwards on our scheduling system. And that's how I keep my records, but I don't use scribes. I don't, I, yeah, I try to keep it as simple as possible. And now a word from our sponsor. It's a fact. Salespeople and organizations lose opportunities because they don't clearly communicate their value. In today's market, your story is your message. It should be crystal clear, perfectly arranged, and precisely targeted to attract the clients you want. As a certified story brand guide, we use the exclusive SB7 process to create that story and the websites and collateral that deliver it. If your message isn't cutting through the noise, we can help. Visit us at shiftshaperstrategies.com to learn how we can help you find, clarify, and deliver a message that wins clients, crushes sales goals, and builds your practice. In sales, if you confuse, you lose. So learn more and schedule that call today at shiftshaperstrategies.com. That's shiftshaperstrategies.com. And now back to our discussion. So we've talked a little bit about what seems to be a real first-class experience from the patient side. What's the biggest change or changes from the physician side? What did you notice when you first started doing this? And to be honest with you, were you concerned about being able to make a living doing it this way or were there any oh, yeah. any concerns that you had going in talk about those a little bit i have a ent ear nose and throat 
forum where a bunch of doctors, you know, online discussing. And I threw out my plan on that and I got hammered. Everybody's like, no way. How do you, there's no way. Don't do cash only. You're going to die. There's no way you can survive. I only had one person reach out to me and say he has figured out a way to do it. He loves it. And so, yeah, there were concerns. I don't know that I would have been brave enough to do it at the beginning of my career when, you know, money was more of an issue. So, it took a leap of faith. But like I said, my goal was just, I don't want to lose money. I don't really care if I gain money. I just want, I want job satisfaction and I want to, you know, feel good about it. And, but it worked out. You mentioned a moment ago is that you've added some additional services to drive revenue. That's interesting. What are they and, and, and kind of how do they work and how do you connect the patient to those services? Well, one of the key things I do that no other ENTs do is something called sinus therapy. And it's based off of what they do for patients with cystic fibrosis for their lungs called chest percussion therapy, where they basically use percussion, steam. They dislodge the trapped secretions from patients' lungs. You know, a therapist does that. So I do the same thing, but for sinuses, but I make it a spa-like experience. So you get steam, you get aromatherapy, you get a saline irrigation, but it's power irrigation. It's like using a pressurized, it's like a power wash of your sinuses, but it's, it sounds brutal, but it's not too bad. And use percussion and massage. So it's a very pleasant experience, but it's also therapeutic. Um, And that is not, there's no CPT code for that. There's not a code that we could submit to insurance companies to get reimbursed for that. So that's something out of pocket that people pay for. And I hired a massage therapist and trained her how to do that. So in addition to, she's got a little following and now she gets people coming in for massages and things like that. I, she does TMJ therapy, which is something we see as an ENT a lot. It's also not something that insurance company, there's no code for it, but it's releasing and and relieving the tension around the temporomandibular joint, which a lot of people have, but there's not really much you can do for. So I try to blend the wellness and ENT as much as I can. I have an infrared sauna, which sounds fringy but it actually there's a lot of science behind it and it's shown to decrease inflammation and increase circulation and there are numerous applications that people use them for i'm looking into can we show that this helps patients with sinusitis i don't have proof but anything that increases the circulation and decreases inflammation should help your sinuses and i branched out and opened a second location just three doors down. I'm also board certified in sleep medicine. So I have a interesting, I have a, a, one of the few ear, nose and throat doctors that has ENT and sleep medicine. So I can treat sleep disorders from the medical standpoint and the surgical standpoint. So I created a sleep center and I called it the sleep and wellness center because so many patients with sleep apnea the underlying issue is they're overweight. And so it's to try to help patients see that, you know, that this is more than just your sleep problem. There's a daytime problem. You've got to increase your healthy habits during the day. So in the Sleep and Wellness Center, I have wellness classes, which are mobility, core strength. I have more infrared saunas. 
I'm putting in a salt cave, which has been shown to help with airway inflammation. I have, we do our massage services there. And anyway, so I have a, I have a large number of extra revenue streams. That, uh, that's, that's smart. I think it, it runs the way any business would, would run. Do you also find that you tend to do, I, I've talked to a lot of DPC docs, that they tend to do a lot less or refer a lot fewer surgeries? That DPC docs don't refer to me for surgery? Or no, do no, 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 I no. don't perform as many? Right, that you don't perform yes. as many. Do you- no, I tend to be on the, on the spectrum of loves to operate, you know, eager to operate to, you know, let's be very conservative. I tend to be on the very conservative side because I think so much of it is inflammation and not as much of it as anatomy, structural. I think as an ENT, we are trained to want to operate. And I think that's that most ENTs are driven and there's financial incentives as well, driving ENTs to operate. For me, I want to make sure that the patient before they get an operation, everything has been explored because surgery will not cure inflammation. So I really make a point of surgery being the last resort. So there's a vibrant medical community in Houston, and there are loads of specialists. Are you seeing or hearing other specialists take the same route or consider the same route that you've taken? And and is that a small groundswell or just a little ripple in the pond so far? What, what are you seeing and hearing in your neighborhood? I don't know of any that really? do what I do. I only know of one other ENT in the country that does what I do. What about in other specialties or other subspecialties? I know of an orthopedist that it was just from listening to another podcast, Healthcare Americana. I list, there's another there's an orthopedic surgeon who's doing what I'm doing. I mean, there probably are more out there. I just, I'm not aware of them. I mean, Ken Smith at the Orthopedic Surgery Center in Oklahoma City has been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And he's also kind of a rabble rouser about it. And I wonder, you know, one of the things that he talks about is that he got an awful lot of pushback when he started going cash and he posted prices for his his services and whatnot. Have you gotten any pushback from anybody in the community or are people just looking at you going, yeah, well, okay, that's good for her, but I'm not doing that. Well, like I said, on that ENT forum, people thought I was crazy. I've had some patients ask me, if it, isn't it against the law not to take insurance? <laughs> so I think some patients are, that's basically, you have to educate the patients as well. But I, I kind of keep it under the radar because I know it's an unpopular amongst other ENTs. It's not a, it's not mainstream at all. Does your gut tell you that this is going to be something that's going to grow in, in scope over time? Yes, though I do think there's a segment of the population that will use me, but then there are people that there's a large segment of population that's just going to go with what's out there and their current. I mean, I think it's going to take a long time before people, the pendulum really swings. Well, you know, it's, I guess one of my very first clients, I mentioned in our off air chat that I, I had lots of doctors as clients early in my career and one of them was a hemoncologist in Miami who said to me, doctors will get off their pedestals when patients get off their knees. I think as patients get more fed up with being treated like cattle right. or, you know, take a number for faster service like the deli counter at HEB right. in your neighborhood or Publix here where I live, 
they're going to start looking for alternatives. And I think that's why DPC is growing the way it is. And so it doesn't surprise me that, that more specialty practices or specialty docs are, are going that route. But we hope you'll come back at some point and tell us how it's going. And maybe we can revisit and, and see all the, the additional things that you've added, because that's a fascinating part of your practice. Thank you. I would love to. Dr. Mary Tally Bowden is an ENT in Houston, Texas. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our audience today. We appreciate it. Thank you, David. It was my pleasure. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Shift Shaper Strategies and may not be reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without our express written permission. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.